Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. My name is Travis, the lead pastor here. So thankful to have you guys here with us today. Um, and in just a few weeks, we are starting summer at Antioch, which is a time every summer that we have to just kind of pull in as, as family. As you know, uh, during those hot summer months, we've got uh, people going every which way up north and getting out of town. Uh, many of our college students are out of town over that period of time. And so uh, we, we come down to, to one service in the summer where uh, we get to see people that maybe we don't normally get to see. Uh, our kids all get to to be in the, in the same class with folks. And so uh, that's going to begin on May 28th, uh, where we'll be coming down to one service at 10 a.m. And uh, every week we'll have some, you know, snacks, some cold treats afterwards to, uh, to hang out and enjoy together. Uh, and so we are, we're looking forward to that and want to make sure that you know that here on uh, May 28th, uh, that, that service, the services will come down to one service at 10 a.m. And we do need your help to pull this off as well. We have an incredible uh, kids volunteer team for our kids ministry. And uh, many of you in here are part of that. And uh, they do an incredible job of loving on our kids. Many of them serve uh, almost every Sunday because they can both attend a service and serve a service. During the summer months, uh, when we go to one service, that's not possible. And, and actually, we'd love to give them off uh, as much of the summer as we can, just to be refreshed, to be rejuvenated, uh, so they, they can come back in the fall and, uh, and be, be ready to go again and serving and loving on our kids. And so that's where we all come in. Uh, and we're asking you, if this is your church home, your church family, uh, to volunteer with our kids' ministry this summer, okay? And so that's gonna take a lot of, a lot of people People over the summer, we'll have 120, 140 kids in there each Sunday, and uh, and we that takes a lot of volunteers. And so uh, there's different opportunities to serve, whether it's in one of the older kid classrooms, in the nursery, uh, doing check-in. Uh, uh, there's check-in things that are needed, uh, helping out with kids worship or on the tech side. So there's different opportunities to serve, and we'd love for you to to volunteer to do that. You can go to our our website. Uh, there, it's got a, a place, NEIPA hx.com slash summer, uh, where you'll find a spreadsheet where we're literally trying to fill out this spreadsheet so that all times and days are covered uh, so that nobody gets burnt out or feeling like they're having to do all the work. And so as a church family, we're just saying, hey, let's come together. And let's fill up this calendar uh, so that our kids can be blessed and so that our workers can be blessed. And, uh, and so this is one of those where, you know, sometimes you hear an announcement, it's like, oh, I'm sure somebody will do that. This is more like, we're gonna probably need most all of you to do that at some level. Um, so if, you're, if you have a week that you know you're gonna be here, that you'd love to help and serve, uh, even if you don't know exactly what that looks like, you don't have experience, our kids team is gonna be in contact with you and letting you know what you would need to do uh, to make that, to take the next steps to serve if you haven't served in our kids' ministry before. There's a couple of things that you'll need to do, um, but they'll lead you through that process, but we'd love for you to help us out with that. Also, uh, you'll be getting all of this information in the weekly, which is our, our weekly newsletter that goes out, just all the things that are happening in the church that you can uh, find out about, and so that'll be coming to you tomorrow. We'll also have the link that will take you to that spreadsheet because we're going to need you this summer to help out. And so if you don't have the weekly, uh, you can also sign up for that, nipphx.com slash weekly to get that as well. 
But let's hop into God's word today. We are going to be continuing kind of an audible that we called over the last couple of weeks and uh, where Adam led us into a kind of a mini series around stewarding personal revival. A few weeks ago, we had an incredible time of, of, uh, of, of worship together where God just kind of extended what he was doing and uh, God has uh, leading up to and since that time uh, been moving in some really unprecedented ways in our community and uh, we, we've been excited as some of the th- things that we've been praying for, the ways that God is showing up in, in men and women's lives and the lives of families and marriages and uh, through, through healings and breakthrough and salvation. It's been an incredible season. And as we were just saying, God, how do, what, what do you want us to do to, to steward that? to stay out of the way and let you do what you're doing, uh, but in any way that we can, the steward or come alongside, what does that look like? And uh, one of the immediate things we thought about is the stewarding of personal revival. That revival and, and, and a season of being revived and an elongated time of just experiencing the outpouring of God is not a, a corporate expression, but it is actually, uh, it is primarily born or produced in the secret place. And we get to experience it joyfully together in a corporate setting in different times. But the longevity of it comes through the stewarding of personal revival and what God is doing in, in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our homes, in the, in, in the early mornings where we're seeking his face, where we're uh, pouring out our hearts to him, where we're worshiping and where we're living lives of obedience throughout our days. And it's that stewarding of, of personal revival through being a people that hear his voice, that lean into him and keep an agreeable spirit uh, towards God and what he is doing and what he's up to. Today, I want to continue that thought in in a unique way in in that I believe that what we're going to talk about today both helps to to steward personal revival, but it also makes available the revival that we're experiencing as a church, uh, uh, make it available to, to many more. Um, because there are things that God is doing in people's lives in, our, in, the, in this church family. And, and yet it's, it's also can be easy like, okay, I hear that and I kind of can see that, but, but I'm, not, I'm not feeling it or I don't know what I, if I'm experiencing it. And so we're, we're really feeling like God's wanting to make available what he's doing to, to us all to more and more people. And one of the, the primary ways that I believe he's wanting to do that is through testimony. It's through the sharing of personal testimony. What is God doing in my life that I am able to share with others? And that as we do that, that it actually begins to spread. There's something of faith that, that spreads and that uh, we're, we're able to, to, to look forward to by, by faith. This summer, uh, part of our summer at Antioch, we're going to be getting a a series uh, back to our chapter studies on Hebrews 11 and a study on on faith and what it looks like to please God by faith. And so again, testimonies spark faith. And and so I I wanna spend a moment here just biblically giving us a a quick undergirding of the value and the, the purpose of testimony. You could look throughout the pages of the, the, this book and find the, the work of God through the testimony, through the witness of, of believers. And I'm going to read just a couple of places, but, but really from, from beginning to end, you, you see God using
using imperfect people to share the story of God's intervention in their life to impact the world around them. And so I want to read, first of all, in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 is a, is a beautiful discourse of, of Jesus. He's being referred to as the Word. Uh, and, and I just want to read a, a, a little bit here. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Again, this is Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. That life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. And you you skip down a few verses. It continues in verse nine. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. But he came to that which was his own. His own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, he gave right to be, become the children of God. So it's just this beautiful discourse of the, the, the person of Jesus, who is the, the very word of God, who is with God in the beginning, through whom all things were created. And it's this light that's come into darkness. And it's, and it's beautiful and it's glorious and it's radiant. And then... You have right here in the middle of this discourse, the, the couple chapter, couple verses I skipped over, something that seems almost out of place in the midst of, of such a, a beautiful discourse on the person uh, and glory of Jesus. And, and it simply says this in verses six through eight. Oh yeah, and there was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's talking about John the Baptist, who's the, the cousin of Jesus. He, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. There is something incredibly important that I don't want us to miss here. That in, in the middle of the, the glory of Jesus, who is glorious in every way, who is light in the midst of absolute darkness, who is the peace in the chaos of this world, who pursued us with loving kindness, even when he was rejected by us. In the midst of all of who he is and what he is doing and what he has done, you have in the middle, by the intentionality of God, a man who bears witness to Jesus. And so it is that throughout all of history, up until this very present moment, that you will find a man or a woman, that you will find a person present to give witness to the gospel of Jesus. That it's not just Jesus in his glorious light coming down like a flash of lightning to light up the whole world, though he could do such things, but rather it was the intentionality of God to set us afire, to, to, to cause us to be a light, uh, or at least cause us, as it says here, to be a witness of the light, to light up the world. And so there's something about the testimony about bearing witness of what Jesus has done in my life that is central to the purposes of God in in redeeming the world around us, in reaching the lost, in stirring up the church unto the things 
of God. One of my favorite stories about uh, the sharing of the testimony is just a, a couple of uh, chapters later in John chapter 9, you have uh, a man that has been born blind. He meets Jesus and Jesus heals him and he's able to see. And, uh, you know, everybody knows who this man is. Uh, they've seen him around. And so there's quite a commotion around it, so much so that it comes to the attention of the Pharisees, the religious leaders and scholars, the ones who had kind of the power and authority in society. And uh, they call this man in for questioning. And he says, well, yes, I, I was born blind. And, and this man, Jesus, he, he healed me. And they don't believe him. They're like, this is not true. This cannot be true. So they, they send him out and they call for his parents. And they say, is it true that you have a, man, a son that was born blind and that he can now see? And, um, and the parents are like, yes, we, we know that this is our son. This is what they say. We know that he was born blind, but how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. They say this because the, these religious leaders have already threatened that anyone who uh, says that Jesus is the Messiah will be cast out of the synagogue. Uh, and and that's, the very, that's central to their way of living, to their society, their culture. And, and so they are basically be cast out of the community. And so they're like, ask him. We're not getting into this mess. We know he was, he's our son and we know he was born blind. And so uh, they call him back in for questioning and again. And so here he is standing before the most powerful people in, in, his, in his community, in his society. And they, they tell him this, give glory to God by telling the truth, for we know this man is a sinner. Okay, so basically you are lying, quit spreading these lies, give glory to God by, by actually saying that Jesus is a sinner, which is just, you have blindness being healed and you have blindness coming upon others at a, at a greater degree, okay? And, and so here he is standing before these learned men, these, these men with all the authority uh, of their, their society and, and he's there saying to him, you quit lying. You tell the truth and give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. And his response is this in Matthew 9, 25. He simply replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Now that line has been popularized by perhaps one of the most famous hymns that's ever been written, Amazing Grace. I was blind, but now I see. This is where it comes from. And it's this man who is standing and saying, hey, I, guys, there's a lot I don't know. You know a lot more than I do. You're the ones with all the authority. You're the ones who have done all the years of studying and have all the answers to all the questions. There, there's things I don't know. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. What I do know. What I could tell you is what happened to me is that when I met this man, I was blind and had been blind the entirety of my life. I had never seen anything. And after meeting him, I can now see for the very first time. And so th then he kind of goes at him a little bit and is like, and so you say that a sinner, uh, you know, can't heal people because they can't, and because somebody that heals has to be from God. Well, I don't know if he's sinned or not, but you, you're the one saying he can't, he's from God if he can heal people and he healed me. So maybe you ought to be his disciples. And, and, and they throw him out of the synagogue. 
And what we see is that there is power in the testimony, that it's either gonna stir up faith, which is what it was doing among the community, or it might stir up dissension. It, it might stir up some, some antagonistic actions towards you. You may be called a liar. You don't lie, you tell me the truth. Hey, no, you don't, don't make up stuff. Your integrity might be called into question. Your, your sensibility, like, okay, I thought you were kind of a rational person, but you're kind of getting out there. Like that might be tossed at you, but, all, but there is power when you testify to what Jesus has done and is doing in your life. It's a mandate of God. It, it is how the, the, the testimony of Jesus spreads is through us sharing it. We see it in Acts 1.8. And this is just kind of a real succinct version of what we're talking about, where Jesus speaking to his disciples says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So again, there is a mandate given to, to witness. And, and that, that witness is, is something we need to think of as, hey, this is what I've seen. I'm simply a witness, one who has seen these things. And now I'm just telling about what I've seen. I'm just a witness. I'm one who I experienced what they're talking about so I can share with you about the, the experience that I've had. I, I'm simply sharing with you. I'm bearing testimony. I'm not the light. I'm bearing, I'm bearing witness to the light, bearing witness to Jesus. A few weeks ago, we, uh, we concluded a series in, in the book of Revelation out of Revelation chapter five. And uh, we, we ended with the, as the, the, soul, the, the um, seals of the scroll were beginning to be opened. And I want us to look at Revelation 12 as all of that is unfolding uh, at the moment where the, the enemy, the devil is cast down. He's defeated. Uh, and, it, and it talks about how he's defeated, okay? So it says this in Revelation 12, verses 10, 11. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. So now it's happened. The scroll has been opened. It's happening. The authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So they triumphed. How did they try? There, there was a great victory. And we're told that they triumphed over the enemy, the, the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of the Lamb. Now, that's no shocker there at all. Like, it, in fact, that could be just complete in and of itself. We, overcome, we, we have overcome because of the blood of Jesus poured out for us that while we were yet sinners, God so demonstrated his love for us in having Christ die on our behalf. And he overcame sin and death when God resurrected him from the dead. And so exclamation point, that is our victory and that is true. And yet... Again, just like the, this beautiful discourse of Jesus was interrupted in John chapter one and saying, and there was this, this guy, he's kind of a crazy guy and he bore witness. He was called by God to bore witness that many might believe. 
And so it is that added on to the fact that we're victorious by the blood of the lamb, that it also says, and by the word of their testimony. There is something that powerful about the testimony. There is something about the the weaponry of our testimony that is that offensive, that it can go and achieve victory. That there is things that you speak by the word of your testimony that, that begins to cause people to think differently than they thought before. Where before they believed that where they were, uh, that they would always be, that they were stuck, that they were never going to experience anything but hopelessness. Or they believed that God was not good, that there's no way he could be good. Look at my life. That then hear a testimony and all of a sudden hear, actually, God is good and he is good to me and he will be faithful to me or I won't always be stuck in this junk but God is a God of breakthrough and he's not forgotten me because I hear them testifying about who he is and what he's done in their life. And so there's something powerful about it. Not only that, okay? So not only is there power in the testimony being shared, but I believe that there is also power for for the one sharing it. Not only the one hearing it, but the one sharing it. That, That it is... There, there is something that begins to happen when we faithfully recall and recount and we regularly speak of the new things that God is doing that causes us not to forget what he has done so quickly as we are prone to do. Because what we're talking about here, the... the, the, the um, the, the specific attribute of the devil that's being called to account here is the accuser. He is the accuser, the one who accuses and, and who, who lies and says who, who tries to declare who we are, which is in uh, opposition to who God says we are. And so there's something actually about the testimony that is saying, no, this is who I am and this is who God is and this is what I've stepped out into that, that begins to take away the, this ground from the enemy who is the accuser. And he's accusing you, he's accusing Jesus and you're like, no, this is the testimony of Jesus. It goes on a little bit later in Revelation uh, chapter 19, verse 10 and, and it gives this unique um, example or explanation of, of the testimony. It says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It, now it takes, takes a minute to like, okay, what? Kind of like to get your head a little sideways, like, wait, what does that mean? For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so I, I think it speaks both to what prophecy is as well as to what the testimony of Jesus is. First of all, it speaks to the, what prophecy is in, in that prophecy at its very heart and at its very core is, is bearing witness to Jesus. The, the prophetic is always coming into alignment with the, glorifying Jesus, with putting his majesty on, on display, with drawing us back to Jesus. Okay, so that's, at the, that's, at the very, that's the very spirit of prophecy. And then you turn it around and say, okay, well then uh, the, also there's something about the prophetic nature that is true of the testimony. And, and, and so it is because you're speaking out something that's happened 
And yet what it's doing in another person is causing them to believe that it can happen again, that it can happen in my life. So there's something of a prophetic nature. The spirit of prophecy is all over the word of the testimony because of what it's activating by faith in, in the lives of others. It's, it's like a prophetic word saying, God wants to do this again. God's going to do it again. So what seemed impossible before as a testimony is shared now begins to seem possible. And as it lingers a little more and somebody else gets up to testify, it goes from being impossible to possible to plausible. Like maybe actually it, it can happen. And, and then it takes another step and you actually begin to be expectant for God to do it again. So you go from impossible to possible to plausible to expectant that this is who God is. This is the ways that he works. Of course, it's gonna happen again. I will believe, I will hold on uh, by faith. And so there's a powerful work of the testimony that Jesus is wanting to do in our midst. And so I got a few friends that are, come, are gonna come and share with us today. Uh, you guys can come on up here. Rachel and Emily and Jackson are gonna come up to the stage and, uh, and, sh and testify. Uh, to some things that God is doing and, and has done in their lives. And, um, and one of the, the reasons that I, that I have these three specifically coming up is because um, a, a few weeks ago when uh, our service got extended and God's presence was, was here and was moving and uh, went for several hours, uh, one of the things that just spontaneously began happening was people sharing testimony of what what God has done and what he's doing. And one of the things that I believe and that we're gonna see up here as these guys share is how testimonies beget testimonies. They give rise to, or they cause other testimonies to come up because of the ways they stir us. And so uh, we're gonna kind of share uh, how that happened on, on that Sunday. So we're hoping that you're stirred today by the, the testimonies that are shared and by the way God uses our testimony to stir up others. So Rachel is gonna get us started. Um, about who God is um, and what he's done in my family. So um, just to give some context first to kind of what was happening on that Sunday, um, I've, I've started to refer to that Sunday as Glory Sunday. I'm like, if you were there, the glory of God was there. It was glorious. So um, I'll call it Glory Sunday from here on out. Um, but on that Glory Sunday, I'm just meeting with the Lord, and we were just worshiping. You're seeing Jesus so clearly, um, his presence just so thick in the room, you're like, I don't want to be anywhere else um, in the world. And so um, getting uh, to be here and to worship, um, somebody came and had um, kind of a word and an encouragement for me um, that they prayed over me. And it was related to my family and it was related to kind of the role I've gotten to play in the past um, for being an interceder, an intercessor um, for my family and just worrying for them in prayer, um, for them to know Jesus and for chains to be broken and for um, there to be a place of healing and, and all that. And so getting this encouragement 
encouragement and this word over them to kind of be this, this re-upping of like, don't grow weary, like in interceding for your family, like keep warring for them. God has put this on you, um, not even for your like immediate family, but also for your extended family, um, for you to be a generational redeemer, that there would just be this place that God's going to usher in redemption and restoration through your prayers and through um, just your your faith and your longing for them to, to know him. And so um, that happened and that was like such a stirring, it was so encouraging. I believe that's what prophecy is for, right? Is to build up the church. And so just so built up in the spirit in that. It's like the Holy Spirit was just on me and just with me as he always is, but in a greater measure. Um, and then you pair that with then an invitation. Um, and so Claudia um, kind of had this invitation of like, I feel like the Holy Spirit is giving you something to share. Like I can see he's doing something and I feel like it's for the church. I feel like it's for the bride. It's like, okay, and it's like that place of vulnerability, that place of going there with the Lord, of wrestling, like, oh, like, do I want to give you my yes to that? Like, can I just keep it to myself, or can I just, like, you know, text it out later, or whatever? It's like, no, that place to, like, say yes, and, like, encourage the bride, and invite you guys into what God is doing, in that place of hoping that it encourages you guys, and that it does something in you as well, and so from that place of that, that encouragement, and that word, and then that invitation, God up here to share, um, and so I get the joy of just sharing with you guys today um, the testimony of what God has done in my family. And so uh, this is meant to encourage you guys and meant to also call you into a place of being intercessors and warring for those that you're longing to know the Lord. So uh, my family um, adopted two kids when I was young. So we adopted them from Russia and they um, came home to us with lots of burdens and heavy baggage and um, some trauma and abuse and just hard, hard things that caused um, a, a heaviness in the home and just a hardship. Um, and for those of us that were following Jesus at the time, that um, that we took up a place of interceding for them and praying for them and longing for them to know Jesus and um, crying out to the Lord, Lord, won't you do something? And um, that carried on all throughout my high school years and even into my college years. But um, specifically when I was in high school, um, my older sister was really the one that had like the urgent outwardly seen needs. Like they were both really struggling. There was a place of darkness um, in both of their lives. But I think for, for Katya especially, there was really this heaviness, um, a lot of burdens. And there were a couple of suicide attempts. There was an alcohol addiction and there were unwanted pregnancies, just a lot of heavy stuff. And so there was this place of like really interceding for her and knowing that Tommy's still kind of there, but like still hoping, praying for him, but being like, Lord, would you do something over here? And um, that kind of led to my college years where um, I had a dream and I don't normally have like prophetic dreams or like feel like they're always from the Lord. Sometimes they're wacky and crazy. Um, but I had this dream um, that when I woke up in my college dorm, I was like, I need to write that down. Like, I need to remember this. This feels significant. So I wrote it down. Um, and so I'm going to read it for you guys today. Um, just out of a place of giving you insight to what was going on. So this was um, February 18th. 2017. Um, so I'm going to read this dream for you guys. It says, Tom got saved and it felt so real. I remember distinctly thanking God and being in awe of this answered prayer. It struck me that I had thought Katya might have gotten saved first because of how hard Tommy is and yet God softened his heart. It was amazing. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen soon with a question mark. Um, and I just remember waking up in my dorm that day, I'm going to set this over here if that's okay. I just remember waking up in my dorm being like, that's nice. Like, okay. Like that question mark there, that was not one of like eager hope and expectation. Like, oh, the Lord's going to do it. It was one of like, 
is that really who God is? Like, is this even possible? Is this even plausible? <laughs> Should I expect this? Um, and so that was kind of the back of my mind. And move on. And you fast forward um, to 2020, a couple years after that dream. And um, on February 9th, 2020, my older sister um, was successful in committing suicide. And that obviously brings a heaviness, that brings a weight. Um, that loss obviously creates so much of a burden in a family. And um, if you have experience with grief, you know what I mean. And with Tommy, there's just this place of him spiraling and um, just yeah, so much darkness, so much hurt and pain and questioning. And um, from that time on in that season, it was this place of him, um, honestly, us not knowing if he was also going to make it. Was there going to be breakthrough for him? Lord, is your wrath satisfied? Like, is there enough mercy? Like, do you have more mercy for my family? Um, and it would be this place of, uh, I would get calls in the middle of the night, 2, 3, 4 a.m., um, him drunk um, in the graveyard. He'd be at, uh, in the grave, at her graveside, and just be like, can you come? Can you, can you just be here? Like, just not even knowing what to do or how to be there. And I would go and just be in this dark place. I mean, just this pitch black graveyard. You're just surrounded by darkness. You're surrounded by literal death. And you're like, Lord, what are you going to do? And it's quiet, and it's, you feel lonely, and you're like, Lord, I don't know what to pray, what to do, is there any more mercy? Is he, uh, is he gonna receive any of your mercy, Lord? What are you gonna do? And I'm just going and being reminded of Jesus going to graveyards and bringing life and like restoring people in graveyards and be like, Lord, are you gonna do it again? Like, what is your heart for him? I don't know how much longer I can take. And um, that continued on and there was just this season of um, ebbs and flows and of just warring with the Lord and just being broken before him. Like, God, what are you going to do in my family? What else am I going to lose? Um, and you fast forward to the fall of 2021 and um, Tommy's still still struggling, still spiraling and um, he ended up getting a girl pregnant. And this situation obviously brought about a whole new series and um, layer of just struggling and of questioning and he kind of got to this point finally at the end of himself of like, I thought I had a plan. I thought I had control over things. I thought I could have a plan A, B, and C in order um, and would still be fine whatever, whichever way it went. And he realized um, that through this situation, he was like, I don't have control of anything. Like, I can think I have control of things, but I'm not in a place of control even of my own life. And I keep messing it up. Even when I have all these plans in place, I keep messing it up. My plans are not getting me anywhere. And so it led to this moment where he's just at home playing video games and he's meeting with the Lord suddenly, and he goes, Lord, I don't have control of anything, and you control everything. And he says he just prayed this simple prayer and said, let your will be done. Lord, you control everything. Let your will be done. And he says in the middle of playing video games, the Holy Spirit just fell on him. And he said that there was this lightness where he's like, I had never experienced anything like it. It was the best feeling in the world. And he gave his life to Jesus. And it was in a moment, yeah, transformed. And it's a new creation. Um, and it's this place of like, literally, you go from graves to gardens. You go from the graveyard to a place of new life where there's actually things growing and thriving there. Um, and so I um, didn't hear about this until a couple months later where he's, he finally shares with me, oh, yeah, you know, I was playing video games and um, gave my life to Jesus. It's like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Like, can you, can you walk me through that again, please? Um, and he's like, yeah, like I, you know, prayed this and 
told the Lord to take control and Holy Spirit fell on me. I'm like, what? Like, it was just this place of like, are you kidding me? Like, it was just this joy of like disbelief. Like, do you, do you realize there's like 15 years of prayer behind this? Like, do you realize there's this whole place of these, these, these prayers from the saints, like asking the Lord to do it and he's done it. And, um, from there, it just was this place of, again, back to this word that the person had for me on Glory Sunday. I was reminded, um, kind of this word of generational redeemer, that, the God, that God works over generations and he works um, in whole families. And that's his heart is to restore um, whole families over long periods of time, not just for your generation now, but for future generations until he comes back. Um, and it was this reminder that in his family, there had been this legacy of suicide. There had been this legacy, um, this generational curse of that spirit of suicide, that brokenness. The reason that they were orphans is because um, their parents had committed suicide. And so in that season, Tommy is like, this is what I'm here for. This is my legacy. Like, I'm going to follow in the footsteps of my family. This is what there is for me. And yet Jesus is more powerful than generational curses. His blood breaks the chains on that. He brings you out of bondage and he puts you into his family. Uh, his blood does that. And so there was a place where that generational curse was broken um, and suicide no longer has a hold on him and his family. My nephew also praying and believe for him. He's a seven-year-old um, praying for him to also be uh, have a second adoption, as he lovingly call it. Um, and so he was here um, actually at World Mandate, if you guys come to that place, just here with our family, just worshiping next to me in this place of like the, well, the World Mandate before that, didn't even know if he was going to be here, even didn't know what the Lord was going to do in his life, and yet he was here um, at World Mandate worshiping with us. So the Lord has good plans for him. He's, he is a bold and brave uh, evangelist. He's telling all of his coworkers about Jesus. He's telling everyone about his story, and he's like, yeah, it's just Jesus just made me new. And I was like, what? Like you used to yell at me if I said the name Jesus around you. You used to threaten me and now you are boldly proclaiming it to everybody that will listen. And so, uh, yeah, that is who our, our God is. He's mighty to save um, and he's mighty to save all of your family members as well. So. Am I on? There you go. All right. So as uh, Rachel was sharing, Chris White, who uh, works in our, in our tech booth often, was back in the back. And he's like, I got I to gotta go testify. And so he like gives it his responsibility. Somebody else runs up and he shares his story. He's not here this morning. I'm in his wife, Julia, are on our baby moon for the first baby, so yay, yay for them. Um, but uh, the, he came up and uh, stirred by what Rachel shared and began to, to testify about what God had done in the life of his family, where they had been, uh, he had been believing for his dad to come to faith for over 15 years, and uh, just a, a journey of walking through his, his, uh, his dad being antagonistic towards the gospel and agnostic to, to atheist range and, uh, and, and really uh, not not uh, not wanting his kids to follow God, just adamantly opposed uh, to the place of coming to faith, and now serving as an elder in his church and helping to lead worship, and uh, just that journey of uh, for his family of believing for their father for for fifteen plus years, uh, and as he shared. Uh, then Jackson uh, was was stirred, and I'll let him kind of continue that story. Yeah, totally. So. I love to interrupt people's lives. Um, and so I was just sort of like sitting on this word, like, God, like, it's true. Like, you want to interrupt people's lives. How can I participate in what you're doing? 
Um, and I felt like he, he spoke to me, and he brought my sister uh, to my heart. Um, my sister uh, left the faith whenever she went to college, um, and, and she's now 26. Um, and, and since I went to college and sort of, like, what, like got this, like, more intimate relationship with my sister, um, and she expressed to me just, like, all that, like, all of her unbelief and sort of, like, uh, hostility towards, uh, towards the faith um, had really carried her um, since 2018, whenever I was a freshman in college. Um, and so, uh, uh, for me, it was like it was like a scary thing uh, of like, oh wait, you went up to my sister's life, because um, usually whenever we talk about faith, it results in a dropped call followed by declined calls followed by unanswered text messages for anywhere between like weeks and months. And so, um, for me, I was like, man, God, like, like you have to give me the words. Like, I don't know what to say um, to express like your your immeasurable love for my sister that I know is there and that she is so hostile to. Um, so I asked the Lord, like, God, what do you want to say? And I felt like he said, I want you to actually send her a text message uh, so that she has a record to actually go back on um, and to see. And so I asked him, like, what do you want me to send? Uh, I felt like he gave me, like, John 15, 9, um, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Um, and yeah, I felt like he said, I just want you to simply tell her, I love her and you love her. And so I just typed it up. Um, I, sent it, I sent it to her. Um, and at the moment, all, all that I got was, and in return was like an emoji face, like a, like when a, like a little warm emoji face. Um, and I was like, praise God, like this is more than normal. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so for me, like that was like, that was a place of obedience, uh, for me, just a really simple place that though it was challenging, felt like the Lord was asking me into. Um, and so I actually shared that with, with Greg, who invited me to share it up here, um, to invite other people into like a simple place of obedience. And um, I guess just as like a, like a testimony in progress, like on that, I was actually on the phone with my sister yesterday, and she said that, um, oh man, I always get choked up talking about my sister. Um, and she said that like, since then, like just about every day she's typed into her phone, I've, been, I've loved you, um, and looked back on that text. Um, and so I think like, like that's what the Lord spoke. He said, it's a record of me to look back on. And, she, and she's looked back to who Jesus is in her uh, and how he truly feels about her. And so believing for even more um, as, as the Lord reveals his love. So, yeah. Hi, guys. My name is Emily. And my testimony very much feeds off of what Jackson shared, um, which he was led by Rachel or at least felt prompted by the Holy Spirit after what Rachel shared. And it's the same thing for me. What Jackson shared really prompted me to respond. Um, And I just love what Travis said earlier. I wrote it down. But testimonies encourage our hearts for what is possible. And so that I hope that that's stirred in us, that this isn't just for us, but it's for everybody that um, your faith would be stirred in this. So um, I don't know if I introduced myself, but my name is Emily. And um, the general theme of my testimonies are um, the idea that we need to have a quick yes on our heart for what God wants to do in us. And that originated in this young adult conference weekend, just really felt convicted by the Holy Spirit because I was not living um, in a way that was a quick yes to God. And so um, he gave me the opportunity to put it into practice on Sunday um, from what Jackson shared. And so the whole idea of 
we should not be slow. We should not be disobedient or hesitant or resistant. When God asks us to do something, we need to do it right away. Um, and so I encourage you all to reflect on that as well and just what your obedience to God looks like. Um, so to give a little context, um, I'm a middle school art teacher, and I teach at a school in Phoenix. And it's about my whole testimony is about God moving in my coworkers. And he is moving in my school and my students, but I just want to hone in on those two today. Um, and so just to give more context, my school that I work in is a Title I school. Um, we are low income, very diverse student population. Uh, my coworkers and I teach students that are refugees, homeless, homeless students. Um, I have students that are in foster care, 14 years old and still cannot read or write. Um, and also just have students that have a lot of family members in Phoenix gangs. And so it's just a dark area. Um, and that just eventually leads to our entire staff population being burnt out and stressed and living in this constant state of needing to cope, um, specifically with substances. And so since I started working there as a teacher two years ago, I've just felt this insane burden um, to fervently pray to intercede for their salvations. Um, and I, I was just sharing with my husband this week, I found an old word um, from when I started. God said to me, I will save your coworkers one by one. Um, and so just still holding on to that and believing that. Um, so three weeks ago, when Jackson shared just the simple obedience piece of who should I text? Um, what should I say to them? What is God speaking to people? I was like, God, okay, I could do this. Like, who do you want me to text right now? What do you want me to speak to them? And so the Lord highlighted a coworker of mine. I'm going to call her coworker one, um, just to honor what she's going through. And I just felt like the Lord told me to text her that he loves her and that he hears her. So I did it. Um, and she responded almost immediately back and said, you don't know how much this means to me. Um, and it was a word of knowledge because her partner had just broken up with her um, after being unfaithful. And so she was just um, in, a, in a very difficult time. And so I am just shocked that the God would not be God, that God would use my little yes. And I'm practicing this and I'm learning this, um, that weekend really. And so I get up on stage and I testify like, thank you God for using my little yes, just a little text sent to somebody for what you wanted to say. Um, and I get off stage and Jackson comes up to me and turns out he had also worked with this coworker previously and had been also praying for her since they started working together. And so I was like, what in the world? Like what a small world that God is pursuing her heart. Um, God is pursuing just her entire life. Whether she likes it or not, he knows her and he loves her. And I forgot to share this first service because I did not remember it until just a little bit ago. But God told me to stay at a part of this extended worship session until 2.32 p.m. And my husband and I had plans. He left me. Um, and so I stayed. I was like, okay, 2.32 is it. Like, I'm going to be here for a while, I guess. No lunch. Um, but I did. And after reflecting that afternoon, it, this whole thing went down right at 2.32 p.m. Her response to me, all of it. He wanted to do something at that time. But if I had pushed my own agenda, if I had um, decided to say no or be resistant or think that that still small voice was me and not him, he wouldn't have moved. So again, just encouraging you to reflect on your obedience to God and the little things. Um, I want to share one more testimony um, of how I'm not perfect and in this conviction that I have that I am sometimes resistant when he asks me to do something just because. And so um, about a week ago, um, 
God asked me to fast caffeine, and I very much resisted. It's the end of the school year. I'm tired. I need it. And so I just kind of argued. I was like, God, I'm trying to integrate so many spiritual disciplines in my life right now. Like, I'm trying to get up early with you. I'm trying to intercede and pray and worship. And if I add fasting in the mix, like, I'm going to crumble. Like, I don't think I can do this. And he just kind of gently in my head, very, very quietly, was just like, Emily, fasting is literally going to help you do that. Like fasting is meant to help you pray. You're asking to pray more. Do like, this is what it is. Like fasting is going to help you with that. And so I said, yes, I said, absolutely. That makes sense. Thanks for explaining it to me after I argued. Um, so again, needed to repent for that. Don't do that. But, um, every day of the fast, just woke up every morning as I'm getting ready on my way to work, fighting in prayer for my coworkers, fighting in prayer for my family. Um, and anytime I would crave fast or sorry, crave caffeine, I would pray, which was approximately 5 a.m. to probably 11 a.m., so a long, long time in the middle of teaching, just praying, and on the fifth day of the fast, God moved, and I think that just speaks to how sweet he is with our little obedience. Did not fast food. Um, I was not going hungry, and I did it very reluctantly, and he still literally took my tiny obscure yes and did something with it um so on the fifth day of the fast i was at a, a restaurant with an another coworker. we'll call her coworker number two and she's atheist very addicted to substances to cope with our job stress and um just life stressors and she's a dear friend of mine i, I live my life alongside of um alongside of her and so we're at this restaurant and literally out of nowhere um she brings up that she's starting to believe in god and i'm like i just i literally don't even remember what my response was but i think my jaw might have been dropped like i was like not sure if i should smile or not because i'm just like this is big like what in the world five days in the very thing i'm asking the lord for he's doing and so um, I just, again, in shock that he moved through that reluctant yes. How more so will he move when we, when we give that quick yes to him? And so just an exhortation um, for all of us, me included. Why would we be resistant? Why would we say maybe? Why would we say no? Why would we think that it's not him um, when the God of the universe is asking us to step into simple obedience? And so um, would we not be ones that fear man? because um, it's so easy to fear how they might respond. Um, yeah, that might make them uncomfortable, might make us uncomfortable, but we, would we not fear comfort? Would we not fear an easy life, um, but truly just be fully surrendered to him? And so I'm just really grateful that the Lord has decided to partner with me in that way. And like I said, this is nothing special. I'm very much learning this. So if you feel in the same shoes of, I don't know if I can, guess what? He's going to use your yes either way. So... Hop along for the ride, guys. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much. Amen. Why don't you guys stand up with me? Um, and as we kind of conclude here this morning, uh, can I just say it again that the testimony begets other testimonies. There's something that causes something to rise. I hope and pray there's even something beginning to rise in you today. Just like, hey, God, I, I can believe for this again. Or there may be things connected or, or, or not even as connected that there are places of faith for you, that God is stirring your hope again. Uh, I, I want to close by just saying what the Hebrew word for testimony is, okay? This is, it's, it's iduth is, is the Hebrew word, but this is what it means literally. Do it again with the same power and authority. 
do it again with the same power and authority. So when you're testifying, you're literally taking the opportunity to say, and as you're testifying, do it again, God, with the same power and authority. I'm testifying, I'm saying, do it again, God, with the same power and authority. And then the same thing is happening as you're agreeing with the testimony you're hearing. In your agreement, what you are literally saying is God, do it again with the same power and authority. God, do it over my situation with the same power and authority. Do it over my family, God, with the same power and authority. It's who you are. Won't you do it again, God? And we're agreeing with the testimony today. And so as we respond, our, our, our main place of response today is going to be giving you the opportunity to write out a testimony. And, and that's not necessarily the testimony of how you came to faith in Jesus, but it's what God is doing lately. And so in between all the seats, actually some of them might be gone from the first service, but uh, try to, there's testimony cards. Or there, there, we've added some note cards in. There's some more note cards up here on the front stage. If you have a testimony, we, we feel a charge as a church to begin getting those out to begin releasing the testimonies to, to, to people. And so there's, a, there's even a box on there like, hey, I'm okay with this being shared or I'm okay with you being, reaching out to me to share it, like uh, being willing to just uh, testify to what God is doing. But our first place of obedience is, is trying to gather the testimonies. And so if you have testimonies, please let us know. These are gonna remain in the chair so that anytime you have a testimony, you can just fill it out. You can put it in the offering basket as it goes around. Today, we're asking that you literally take a, a few moments during our response and fill out a testimony that God's given you. And then as a part of your response, just coming and putting it in the bat. There's a couple baskets down here on the stage. So you can come forward and just say, God, here's my testimony. It's not my story, it's your story. It's your story and, and I want people to, to know it or to hear it in any way that they would be built up and encouraged by it. And so God, we ask that the testimony of Jesus would be released, that we would be a people that bear witness to who you are and to what you're doing. And that it would cause faith to arise, that it would cause other testimonies to, to be shared because of things that are stirred up by, by the testimonies that are, are declared. Lord, have your way in us and would you just make available to us all that you're doing through the word of the testimony. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're gonna have a few of our ministry team members here up in the front. If there's anything that you need prayer for, we would just invite you to come and receive prayer. It may have nothing to do with what we talked about today, but there's just something that you're going through. There's, there's a struggle that you're experiencing. We believe that God answers prayer, that he wants to meet you right where you are, and we would love to pray for you. Perhaps you're hearing about these testimonies and people deciding to follow Jesus and finding hope in life, and you're, you realize, I don't have a relationship with him, and I've got struggles in my life, and I wanna, I wanna know what it means to, to know him to have a relationship with him. We'd love to talk with you about that. God's arms are open wide to you today and he's inviting you to come home. And so if you need to just come up to the front and respond, you can do that, but let's not leave this place with allowing God to have his way in our hearts.